website, just like it says here, hungtgirl.com. You can click on the pictures, the links along the left, and the videos will automatically start playing for you. You may have to enable Adobe plugins. It's free to do that. Once you do, the videos will automatically start playing for you, just like this. Uh, so again, you can check out the physical, sexual, that naked side of me and my friends, maybe even some of your friends, um, by checking out most of the site. You can uh, um, get a subscription, make a donation, just enjoy the free content. All of the above are very much appreciated. I thank you for that. And you can also tell by what's on the screen we do here on The Naked Truth. Um, and that's explore the spiritual side of me. I believe it exists in all of us, whether we accept it or ignore it. It's still there, just as the physical and the sexual sides are there. Whether you ignore them also, they're still there. Um, so anyway, that's what we do here. And for me, that boils down to Christianity. And not the Bible-thumping nonsense, but actually hearing what Jesus, who it's named for, Christ, Christianity, that's who it's named for, hearing what he actually has to say, and letting him have the last word on any given topic. Particularly, particularly since it's named for him, for one. But also, why would you give anyone else the authority if you're going to call yourself a Christian, anyone other than Jesus? Even if it's your parents, even if it's your preacher, even if it's your own beliefs. If you're a Christian, Jesus should get the last word. So that's what we do. And we're going to pick up now where we left off in the book of under John. Let's see. We're, this is the passage that stood out to me from the last reading and then we'll move on to the next one jesus answered and said to most assuredly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god nicodemus said to him how can a man be born when he's old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born so this is the whole um born again this is where this comes from a born again christian that whole thing that's where it comes from the whole idea of having a second birth um not obviously not a physical birth but a second birth and the reason this stood out to me is because a lot of preachers who claim to again be teaching you chapter by chapter and verse by verse will switch this and change it to something altogether different saying that it doesn't mean born again it means born from above you know that's a lie one because it's not what it says it's not what jesus said for one and then they'll tell you oh it's a different translation you still know that's not what it says you can tell that by nicodemus's response he says how can a man be born when he's old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born so that lets you know he's not talking about being from born from above he's talking about a second birth again just like the word says so it may be tempting to let people mislead you because you trust them um mislead you with a lie but there's no reason to be misled when you can read the truth for yourself just like the coronavirus there's no need to be misled by someone you admire and love even if he's the president even if you're a fan of his there's no reason to go around being his fool and being misled by him when you can read and know the truth for yourself unless that's just what you like to do and some people do so anyway that's where we where we left off john chapter three we're going to pick up now in john chapter four if you want to read along with me and before i do start in case you're interested in past readings you can always check out the collections area here on uh, twitch and i know generally when you hear people 
give you any sort of Bible reading and mention collections, they're talking about passing around a plate. I'm talking about if you're interested in a past reading, check out the collections area there. And I have it, it's chapter by chapter, and I have it labeled as best I could by what subject matter is there. So anyway, here we go. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So don't read over that. It lets us know Jesus is on his mission, but so is John the Baptist. That's the John that's being referred to there. And also, it lets us know Jesus was converting people and bringing people, people are being converted to him. But he's not the one actually doing the physical baptisms. And I think the significance of that is so that people don't get the wrong impression down the line thinking, well, only those people who Jesus baptized are the ones who are going to be saved. Or only those people who Jesus baptized are the ones who are actually going to, these words apply to. I don't, I think that's how come he didn't actually do the physical baptisms. Um, but his disciples did. And also to let us know that that's our role as believers is to um, pick it up from there and carry it forward so that people will handle that part themselves, not expecting Jesus to do it. Um, I mean, I think you know what I'm saying. (laughs) He's setting an example for us that um, letting disciples be the ones doing the baptisms for those who are going to be the ones baptizing people. He loved Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he's on the road. He So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So that's a Jacob and Joseph from the Old Testament. And these areas still exist to this day in the Middle East. Um, now, Jacob well is was there Jesus therefore being weary from his journey sat thus by the well it was about the sixth hour so it's like noon uh, see a woman of Samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food so Jesus said give me a drink so this is one of the I think this is um, an example for us also of what it is we're supposed to seek from Jesus. It's refreshing. It's refreshment. It's not, and I don't mean water, but I mean actual refreshing of our spirit, refreshing of our soul, a drink, something to refresh us in these dry times now that he's not walking with us. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But Jesus is saying, give me a drink to the woman near at the well, where his disciples had gone away. And it's not really proper for, and it's just uh, for a man to be talking to a single woman. Uh, like that necessarily especially from two different religions in some parts of the world and that's even now today if you're interested there's an excellent documentary called um, Bachabazi the dancing boys of Afghanistan amazing documentary it'll show you just how religion can be twisted to mean lots of things and it shows you how check it out it's a free copy if you want to look it up online it's a really good movie um, and there's another movie called "Like To Be Like Others," and it talks about it's about transgender people in the Middle East and how it's not how you think it is at all. It may not be how you think it is at all. Preconceptions and prejudgments people make—they're not—they're oftentimes not true. And those are two movies that show you just how 
untrue they can be. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So even though they're from the same family, the Samaritans, the people who inhabit that area, are also descendants of the same Abraham who um, Jesus is descended from, the Jews, as it mentions there. Um, but just like nowadays, because of whatever reasons, there are divisions. So she's saying, um, it's not kosher for you to hang out with me so how is it you're asking me to get you a drink jesus answered and said to her if you knew the gift of god and who it is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water so jesus is letting her know letting us know that something really big is happening right there in front of her and she doesn't realize it and he's saying that even though he's the one asking for the refreshment the water it's actually him who could actually provide it to her to anyone to us if you're willing to accept it and he's saying if you only knew that then you would be doing that if you if you knew what it is that he had to offer if you knew who he was it's basically what jesus is saying the woman said to him sir you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where do you get where then do you get that living water so she's thinking it obviously using her eyes and saying well wait a minute he's saying he's got water we're at the well but he doesn't have a bucket how is it he thinks he's gonna get some water so she probably thinks he's a little crazy are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? So she's saying, who do you think you are basically that you um, have the nerve to ask me for a drink when you know we don't even deal with each other? Um, and then you're saying you have water to give me, but you don't even have a bucket to get water out for yourself. So she's probably like a little thinking he's crazy. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water oh, before we read on whoever drinks of this water will thirst again so he's saying in the physical sense where you're thinking the way you're talking about the bucket and the well he's like yeah that water absolutely if you're if you get thirsty if you drink that water you're going to get thirsty again you're going to need it again so jesus is saying yes this is true but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up in the everlasting life so jesus is saying so the water you're talking about yeah if you give me some of that which is what i'm asking for absolutely you're gonna thirst for it again you're gonna need more he's saying but if the, i have water to offer too and he's saying it's the kind where you can't just get it from just anyone and he's saying um but if you do if you ask him for it and again it's a free will choice if you ask him for it he will give it to you and then instead of you having to keep coming back for more like that well instead it's going to become a spring in yourself of a uh, water refreshment of renewal basically that's what christianity actually should be for anyone who's actually a christian believer but again it gets bogged down and stomped out by religion unfortunately many times the woman said to him sir give me this water that i may not thirst nor come here to draw so she's thinking okay this crazy man's talking about he's got water and he doesn't even have a, even have a bucket but he claims if i drink it i won't get thirsty again so she's like yeah hook me up i'll take that water that way i don't have to be bothered we're hiking down here to the well in the heat in the desert or wherever they are in the middle east so probably the desert but 
I won't have to hike down here to get water. You can hook me up with a well that springs up on its own. So she's like, let me just entertain the crazy man and get my water and go. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. So Jesus replies to her, or Jesus replies to what she said about, because she requested the water that he's talking about, but clearly she's being facetious or she's thinking, she's not being for real. She's thinking he's, she's thinks he's crazy it sounds like to me but so jesus tells her well go get your husband and come back to here and we'll pick up where we left off not replying to her crazy not replying to how she sees him as crazy at all but telling her to go get your husband and i think he does that because just like how now you'll see in that um in the documentary i mentioned you'll see how things aren't the way you think they are even in the middle east and among a religion where you think it is at all some things are completely accepted in their religion, which you wouldn't imagine at all. Check it out. The Dancing Boys, Bachabazi, the Dancing Boys of Afghanistan. It's on uh, online, free. Like I said, check it out. You'll be surprised. I was. Um, and But you can also see how certain things lead to that. And it's like that in that society because women aren't allowed to be out in public in that religion. And that's like modern times, like now. But similarly back then... Great sexes, genders aren't supposed to mix like that. The different sexes aren't supposed to mix publicly like that for similar reasons. Um, so that's what Jesus is saying here. To be proper, go get your husband and then come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus, Jesus said to her, you've well said I have no husband. So um, before we keep reading... So Jesus told her to go call her husband. And if Jesus is divine, which we're believers, so we must believe he is, why would he tell her to go call her husband if she doesn't have one? And she turned around and said she has no husband. So why would Jesus, knowing everything, tell her to go call her husband if she doesn't have one? But you see what Jesus replied. He said, you've well said that you have no husband. So that lets us know Jesus sees the big picture. Why would he tell her to go call her husband if she doesn't have one? Because he knows what her real situation is. And he's telling her, good for you that you answered that way. And here's how he, and he, he's going to explain it more. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. So it's a very vague statement Jesus makes there. But it's very direct. He says, you've had five husbands. And that can be true in a couple of different ways. Someone can have five husbands because they've been married five times and widowed four of those times. And now they're left with the fifth one. They could have five husbands because they're a polygamist and have five, uh, a marriage of, instead of a triple like we have nowadays, of three people in a relationship. Could have had six people. It wouldn't be unusual. The men were allowed to do that back then. If, just as an example, King Solomon, I think it says he had 700 wives and concubines and others, side pieces, basically. So it's not anything new. And that could be what he was talking about there when he says five husbands. But it could be in another sense, in a sense of be real to me there have been days where i've had five husbands and i have never been married and it's in the sense that she could be a working girl so these could be her dates that she's had maybe she's not even a working girl maybe she's just got a friendly trunk and has five different side pieces that she likes to mess around with whatever the case is it doesn't make it clear what type of woman it is, but clearly she's popular because she's had five husbands. And again, women done didn't necessarily have the didn't have 
um, the freedom to choose when they'd be married, who they'd be married to, how long they were going to be married, if they got a divorce, particularly in this part of the world and particularly in this religion. In other parts of the world, women were held in different esteem and had different rights and uh, powers, authorities, but not in this religion, not at this time and not uh, in this part of the world. So to me, it, this woman, it's clear that she's popular. It's not, it doesn't say she's a widow, doesn't say she's a divorcee, doesn't say she's a hoe, just says she's had five husbands and there's many different ways that could be true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you, oh, say, so before we move on, she says she perceives that he's a prophet. She could tell by what he said about her having already had five husbands that clearly he's a seer. Clearly he has some sort of divine ability. That's what she's saying when she's saying that she perceives that he's a prophet. Because how else could he know that she's had five husbands, whether it was five dates that day or whether it was five husbands in the past or whether she's buried five husbands, whatever, four husbands, whatever the case may be. For him to know her history like that, she instantly recognizes that even though she thought he might have been foolish before and might have just been talking crazy about having water that springs up in you and he doesn't even have a bucket, that's where her thinking was before. But with him being able to point out her own history just like that, it was enough to convince her faith that, okay, this man is the real deal. And so she goes on, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So she's saying, to she's going to religion. She's like, well, how can, it seems to me, she's saying, okay, in the religious sense, I know that our religion says that this is where you're supposed to worship. She's like, but I know that your religion says that in Jerusalem is the place where you're supposed to worship. And this was 2,000 years ago, but nothing's changed. You have same family of people all descend descendants of abraham basically but fighting over where's the proper place to worship and who has control over it and it's crazy but it's continues even to this day one religion believes that mecca is the place to worship and they meet there on a pilgrimage every year another religion believes that jerusalem is the place where you're supposed to come three times a year um but all, both believe that that jerusalem is the place where both are entitled and that's not necessarily the religion this woman's a part of because that religion didn't even come about till like six the sixth seventh century after jesus um walk the earth so this not that's not the religion she's part of but she's a part of the same holy uh family if you want to think of it that way as far as descendants of abraham and so she's thinking in her religion she's saying well how can both of these things be true but i know that you are divine you're a prophet at least because you're able to see my story jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So Jesus is letting us know and letting her know that he's there to bring about a change. And we know this partly from our Saturday night readings on the Gospel of Nicodemus where it talks about Jesus going um, to descending into what he called, what's called Hades or what we think of as hell, but the underworld or the 
afterlife or the limbo, however you want, purgatory, however you want to think of it. Jesus, um, there's a passage there also that talks about Jesus's approach there and how it's fulfilling all sorts of things. But Jesus is saying here that that time is right then and the time that her religion was pointing to about a Messiah coming. And he's letting her know in the same time that his religion, or at least the people around him practice the religion they practice, also were looking at a time of fulfillment of things that they were supposed to be looking forward to also and he's saying it's going to be a time where it's not going to be about where you're at to worship it's not going to be about being in jerusalem or mecca or anywhere else in the universe it's going to be about what's in your heart and how you express that with each other with god with yourself you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So when Jesus says of the Jews, I think he's saying that the Messiah, the Christ, that salvation, that that chance to escape condemnation, damnation, hell, however you want to think of it, the chance of salvation is predetermined to come through the Jewish people in the sense of the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, as we believe it. And that's what Jesus is saying here that her religion is worshiping what it doesn't know even though it knows someone great is coming just like how you you can think of the nativity where the three where the the was it the where the wise men came with the gold frankincense and myrrh they weren't hebrews they weren't of that religion but they still knew that according to their own religion a great moment was coming and that a savior was coming and that's what drove them there so that should let's I, let's to me that lets us know that it's not about your religion at all it's about god using whoever it is god chooses to use from wherever in the world they may come from um but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him so Jesus is saying a moment of truth is coming at where um, it's not going to be about their religion. It's not going to be about um, it's not going to be about any of that at all. It's going to be about the truth and spiritual truth bringing forward. Unfortunately, like I said, it gets smothered by the lies of um, dogma of religions and churches. But still, the truth is there if you choose to look for it and accept it. And it's not always easy to do either. Um, let me see but he's saying that's the moments that's coming a moment of truth where people actually have, are interested in truth are going to be worshipping God not interested in religion God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth so Jesus is making it clear that God is spirit and when he says it's spirit that means he's not flesh and bones it's something else another um something else spiritual and he says and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth and, and he said in another place the flesh profits nothing so that lets us know what god expects us to offer is worship in spirit and worship in truth not in lies not in pretense and not in um, a dogma but actual truth the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So she's saying, I know from my religion, and I believe that this is going to happen, that the Messiah is on its way at some point. And when he does, that's when we'll get access to that truth, because that's what he's going to bring. Jesus says, or I who speak to you am he. So he's letting her know the same thing he let the religious people know when he began his ministry, what we just read in Luke, that 
the time you're looking forward to, the prophecy you're looking forward to being fulfilled, it's happening now. He's like, it's right here before your eyes. And all you have to do is accept it. And he's telling her the same thing. He's like, well, it's good that you know that that prophecy is coming and to expect the Messiah, a Savior. But he's letting her know, your expectation is fulfilled now. I'm with you. And at this point, his disciples came. And they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The, again, about uh, the sexes aren't generally expected. They're generally expected to stay segregated, you know, out of propriety type, so that there's no suspicion of anything shady going on. Just like I told you, you'll see in that documentary. Um, so it's similar like back then. They're wondering, why is he talking to this woman? And then not to mention it's a woman, she's a foreigner woman. Um, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. So again, the woman is convinced by just that one thing that Jesus said about her having five husbands. Him knowing that about her was enough for her to be convinced that he's the real deal. So now that's enough for her to go forward and carry her message forward. Uh, to let people know, which again is what Christians are supposed to do. You're supposed to carry the message forward not only with words but in your actions people are supposed to be able to see in your dealings with each other with yourself with their worship that you're actually the real deal and you can see it when they aren't like with that uh, ridiculous woman uh, calling on demons like we read just now to help in this election nonsense but calling herself christian and getting people to follow it um same same thing so um, the woman then left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the man, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They, then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. So there's, you're getting a picture now of what's happening on both ends. The woman has gone on with her testimony to let people know the real deal is here. And the apostles, the disciples are with Jesus and they're, um, they brought back food. And they know he must be famished. He's by the well. He was thirsty. He probably needs some water. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So Jesus is making a spiritual statement here. Um, and he's going to explain it further. But he's letting them know there's more to life than filling your belly. Obviously, there's the human needs of food, water, and shelter, obviously. But the, you, if you're going to think spiritually, you have to think beyond that. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? So of course, they're thinking physically like, hmm, how do you get some food? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus is saying that's what his mission is. He knows their focus is on filling their bellies, which is understandable, and getting something to drink, which is understandable, but he's letting them know what fulfills him, what gives him nourishment, what helps his mission along is doing what God sent him to do. And that sense, it's feeding us the gospel. Do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. So it seems to me this is picturing um, the people who the woman has gone to go tell um, about Jesus being true, they're on their way 
um, back to where Jesus was at the well to meet him now. I mean, that's why he's saying, look at the fields, they're ripe for for harvest. He's letting them know, I'm sending you on a mission to feed people, not to to feed them the food that you're thinking of, but to actually feed them a spiritual food that's going to, like he said, lead to a living fountain of water in us as far as refreshing us and spiritually refreshing us, obviously. Um, and that that's what they're supposed to be out and what they're got to get ready and in the mindset of focusing on. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So Jesus said, Jesus is saying there, the people he sends out to go, um, go ye therefore into all the world, Christians, to go and share the message. He's saying, um, the same people are the same ones that are going to rejoice with God in the sense that the one who's being sent out is going to be uh, rejoiced with the one who sends them because the harvest is going to be shared by all. And he who reaps, oh, okay, we read that one. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And if you think about that, they make sense. If there's a farmer with a huge farm, they may actually be the one, um, um, no, if, they may be the one sowing it as far as they're financing it, but the ones who are actually in the fields working it are not the same ones. Although, like I said, on a huge farms, obviously there are family farms here that's not the same. But also he's saying here, um, one may plant the seed of faith of looking toward God or finding God or finding religion, however you want to think of it, of looking towards something bigger than us spiritually. He's saying one person may spark that, whether it it may even be um, one you may consider a false prophet or um, bad religion. Um, and there's a lot of them out there. But the purpose of them may be to just plant that seed of letting someone know there's something bigger out there. There's a life that goes on beyond this one. There's things going on in a world we don't see. And it's just there, a spiritual realm. And he's saying, so one person may plant that seed but someone else is going to actually may be the one who actually reaps it. So it may just be the spark to lead someone toward God. And um, even if it's a bad religion, that actually at some point leads them to the truth. Um, I sent you to reap that for which you've not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So he's saying someone else has laid the seed of... Um, that spark, that initial interest in finding God. And that sense, I think he's saying in the Old Testament for that whole faith, but also for the Samaritan woman, whatever faith it is that she was practicing that made her know there was a Messiah and a Christ coming. Um, so others planted those different seeds in different faiths and different religions. He's saying, but the one that's actually going to reap it, it's going to be someone else altogether different because I think what he's saying is the ones that will be led to truth. That's going to be, um, that. that's what he's referring to, I think is what he's saying. I sent you to reap that for which you've not labored, others have labored, and you've entered into their labors. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. He's saying others have planted that seed of faith of to seek God in people, um, just like with the Samaritan woman. Um, but it took Christ to come along, Christianity, his words actually come along and reap and give her the hope that it is she was looking for, the salvation, the reaping and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified he told me all that I ever did so a lot of people in the city believed her testimony 
So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. So apparently they were pleased with what they, when they went out to meet Jesus at the well with the disciples, apparently they were convinced by what she said, but also impressed by what he, what they saw when they met him. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard and we know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world so although the woman planted the seed just like he said to initially interest them in finding God it turned out once they actually got that interest and then pursued it on their own put their own energy into seeing where it goes that's when it gets reaped that's when it's harvest time um, and they believed not all they're saying now, not just her testimony, but now their own interaction with Jesus was enough to convert, convince them. Now, after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And we read that in Luke, how that whole, you can never go back home again, saying that you just won't be accepted by those who knew you, how you were before. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. That would be, uh, for they also had gone to the feast. I think that's talking about the the wedding where he turned the water into wine. Um, so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he, yeah, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come in out, of Gal out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for, he's, for he was at the point of death. So you have someone seeking out Jesus, needing help, looking, <laughs> look, desperately needing help with, with a sick child. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. So it sounds like Jesus is disappointed, uh, to say the least, at the fact that People don't just have faith. People generally just don't. Not very faithful and don't have very much faith. And so unless people see signs and miracles and wonders, there's just no faith to make people believe. And it seems like that's what Jesus is saying here. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So let you know how desperate the person is. That he, um, But also maybe even uh, trying Jesus. Because you notice he says his child. Um, and he's desperate. It's he's, he, he wants Jesus to help him. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. So I think the reason the man believed the word that Jesus said, partly because he must have believed Jesus had the ability to do it for him to go to him in the first place, since he's not of their same religion. But also he believed because you notice how Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him, he said his before his child dies, what Jesus replied to him is that your son lives. So without the man telling him the sex or gender, of his child Jesus knew that he had a son and maybe in that in saying that without him sharing that just like with the woman at the well not having to say that she had five husbands and yet Jesus knew it somehow somehow this the centurion looking for help probably got his faith affirmed in the fact that Jesus knew that it's a son that he had without him actually having to say that and of course that assumes that that the narrator here got it right in that the person didn't say the centurion didn't at some sometime identify that it was a son just by going what it says jesus knew that he had a son without him saying it 
And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. So his own servants came, and his faith is affirmed by them saying the exact same words that Jesus did, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. So the seventh hour would be like one o'clock in the afternoon, and that was enough to affirm his faith, the fact that it was at about the same time when he went to go meet Jesus, and Jesus used those same three words, Your son lives. No, without him even knowing that it was a son he had and not a daughter, he knew that that was the second thing to affirm his faith, and he went on and believed. Because he could have also just been like, oh, my son was just going to get better anyway, and I wasted a trip. But because he knew, but because Jesus said, your son lives, and then he comes back, and the first thing his servant says, are, is, the first thing his servant says, the first thing his servants say is, your son lives, lets him know and affirms his faith that okay Jesus is the real deal just like the woman at the well and his whole household had their faith affirmed by that this again is the second sign Jesus did when he can't come out of Judea and to Galilee the first being when he turned the water into wine and that actually ends this reading I appreciate you checking it out with me and I hope you'll join me again it's Wednesdays so that we go over it's John Luke Wednesdays where we go over those gospels and there's Saturday night where we'll pick up on the gospel of Nicodemus just after midnight early Sunday morning and then we have Matt and Mark Mondays where we go over those gospels if you're interested in catching those and if you miss any of them you can catch them out on the collections area here on Twitch on the channel in the meantime wash your hands wear your mask love your neighbor and thanks again God bless you stay safe peace